You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Erasmus Stylianessis. Yo, yo, everybody. Welcome to episode 56 of Here for the Truth. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Um, today, we have Ben Page, doctor of chiropractic. We had a beautiful conversation really about playing in the dirt, reconnecting to nature, um, reconnecting to yourself through nature and really just trusting nature and your own natural biological rhythms to guide you towards deeper healing and, and health. Um, hope you enjoy it. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, wherever you're watching. If you can review it, like, subscribe, whatever it might be, there are definitely ways to um, help us moving forward. Hearforthetruth.com, you can find all the episodes there, plus merch. Um, also, we've just released an ebook. Um, if you want to head to hearforthetruth.com, you'll get a notification to download our first ebook all on the on the topic of the importance of self-esteem. Um, so you can check that out too. Other than that, enjoy this episode, guys. Ben Page is here. Ben is a father, a husband, author, podcaster, and a meat-eating, garden-growing chiropractor. He's on a mission to bring the garden and our connection to nature and earth into the forefront of our journey for greater health and well-being. He believes enjoying the earth beneath us is the only way to achieve sustainable health as an individual and continuous sustainability for the human race as a whole. Ben, welcome to Here for the Truth, brother. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I love talking about this stuff, so I'm always excited to talk to whoever I can about this stuff. Yeah, man, yeah. us too. Thank you so much for making the time. Um, can you just introduce yourself a bit to our audience, a bit of your backstory, how you got into what it is that you're doing, and um, yeah, bring us up to speed in, in, in a roundabout way. Cool. I've always loved nature. I mean, I guess I was, I was kind of raised in the garden. My parents gardened all the time. So I was lucky in that kind of a way. I was always in the dirt. I was always playing in the dirt. We'll probably get into that as we yeah. get into yeah. this conversation. But I was a little kid. I was always in the dirt playing. Um, we eventually moved to the city where we didn't have as much places, didn't have as much time either to, to play in the dirt as often. We also lived in a place that was really hot. We lived in a desert, so that made it even more difficult. So throughout my teenage years, I kind of, we kind of lost that beautiful habit of playing in the dirt. But as I went to chiropractic college and I started learning about the importance of, of health. And also I got into this, this movement called modern survivalism, where I started to prepare myself for these, these challenges that life might might throw at us uh the garden kept on coming back so i ended up planting my first garden there and it's since then it's just been every season doesn't matter where i'm living doesn't matter where i'm at i am always playing in the dirt planting something sometimes it's just in the front of my house because that's all i got we'll probably talk about later on or in my backyard yeah. that's quite large at the moment and i just continue to plant but as i as i started as i started to learn about health um through my own studies, I mean, I loved chiropractic college. It taught me quite a bit about what we are as humans and how we function as humans. But but health in its totality, I had to I had to really learn on my own, which is odd, but it happens. Um, 
the nature just kept on coming back. And I found that the more we are involved with nature, and the reason I love the garden so much is because it's our little edge of nature. It's something that we can kind of play with mm. and, and, and use that to, to heal us and to build us as better, to be better people. And as I continue to learn, I just, I just love the garden. And I continue to evolve. So, I mean, as, as I continue to evolve and who I am and, and what I believe proper nutrition and proper health is, uh, I go from the garden to, uh, to more eating um, meats. And so we'll probably get into that too, how, my, how I've involved. And it's not so much eating what I get from the garden, but enjoying the present moment while I work in the garden and then take that and usually give it away or the little stuff we do have eat it but a lot of my 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 the way I eat is, has evolved over time and I actually eat more meats than I do vegetables now so we'll get into that too I imagine as we as we get into this conversation yeah but that's kind of who I am and how and how I've got to this point of where I've written a couple books about it now and and I just love talking about it because it just it's so inspiring to see people feel better through through nature I have to say you know I was reading some of your book and um, it just brought me back to a little bit to my childhood. You know, I, I grew up with, you know, two Greek parents. My parents are Greek immigrants. You know, my, my dad grew up on an island. My mom grew up in the mountains. And my dad had a, a massive garden. Or we, I'd say we had a massive garden. Um, I don't think I was as involved with it as, as you say you were in your story. But I definitely helped my dad plant certain things. And I just have these memories of we had this in our, in our home in New Jersey. We had this, like, Greeks have like two kitchens for some reason. It's like they like they make another kitchen in their in their place. I, I find I don't know. And we had this counter that just had. I have memories of just maybe hundreds of tomatoes because my dad we planted tons of tomatoes, and I also kind of moved away from it. You know, I ended up going to university and colleges and I mean um, in um, in cities, and I lived in a city. And now as I'm coming back more to the land, it's like, I want to connect more with it. And I want to learn more about gardening. It's another thing that I, I was excited that we connected with on, we connected on social media because this is a subject that I think more and more people are, I think wanting to get more uh, open to, you know what I mean? Especially with what's going on in the world and all these conversations about personal sovereignty and you know, relying less on the system that going back to the land and connecting in a certain way is really important. So mm. um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the journey. I'm a novice to a certain degree, but I, I can't wait to learn more about it. Yeah, I think I love, I love, uh -huh. I yeah, I love what I you think, said, Ru. Sorry, man. <laughs> sorry. No, no, my bad. I, I just wanted to double down on what you're asking what you're saying. I think definitely increased interest in this area is a, is a natural byproduct of everything that's taking place, you know, particularly with conscious families that are moving more towards homeschooling methods and co-ops and, and, and whatnot. Um, returning to the garden has been a massive part of that, particularly in my household as well. So likewise, excited. And you can continue, man. I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. Just the, the things that have happened in the last two years. I mean, for many reasons, people are going back to what is the garden. I mean, and one of the main reasons is just to be able to have food sovereignty. Yeah. And a lot of times food sovereignty is what you, is the first step that people take to, to, to freedom, to, to get into, to returning to, to trying to become free individuals again, because once you're free with your food, everything else seems to be just a little bit more attainable so a lot of times yeah that, that first step to looking to be free and finding the truth in its so totality starts with someone's little teeny garden in their backyard 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such an, it's such an empowering thing when you actually, you know what I mean? You, you, you do the work and you mean you balance everything correctly and you end up growing a piece of fruit or, or, or a piece of a vegetable and you, 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 that comes to fruition, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the literal sense. So, oh yeah, it's, and we have been so disconnected from it for, for so long. Um, my wife's on her mother's line comes from a very traditional Italian family. Her grandmother in the middle of um, the Western suburbs of Sydney has had this long-standing garden for 70, 70 years, which is still going to this date. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for this one. I, I, I love how you're both talking about your ancestry. I mean, th- that is so important to who we are as individuals and what we grow and how we grow and what we eat. I mean, I always talk about like what we should be eating is what our ancestors ate. And if we can find what they ate and eat in season, how they ate, we're going to be pretty healthy. I mean, of course, there's other aspects of health, but if we're looking at nutrition, look to your ancestors, Yeah, look to your ancestors and what they ate and how they ate it and when they ate it. And you'll be pretty good to go with nutrition. Yeah. I, I just love, it's just been a big part of my growing up process in my culture, you know, Greek culture and food and connection and family and, you know, being out in the land, there's nothing, not like it, the, the energy that it fills me with. It's so incredible. Like just working the land, even when I go out and just do yard work, forget even gardening, just cleaning, like working with the land and raking leaves and, and, and pruning trees and et cetera, and being in the sun it's the most incredible feeling. And like, you really feel like you, you receive the, the fruits of your labor, which is this, this vital energy flow through your body. Like I feel so much better than three hours in front of a computer, you know, which is nice. You know, this is the world we live in. We try to balance it. Obviously we're on a podcast right now. Uh, we're on a computer, we're, we're indoors. And yet how can we find that balance and being out in nature just is, is so incredible. So what was it, what was it for you, um, that kind of relit the spark, you know, it was, it was chiropractic. It was, it was chiropractic college in about six years okay. of feeling terrible. <laughs> I was, and not physically, it's funny. I mean, I was, I was physically strong, but I was mentally very weak and very sick. And it was, it was a downward spiral. I mean, it, it, it started when I, realized that as an adult, life isn't easy. I had a really easy life throughout my adolescence and my first couple of years in the adulthood. Very simple. I got married, I went to school, and I started to realize that life kicks you, especially when you're down, and it likes Mm -hmm. to keep you down. So I was at a point in my life where I was really, really low. I mean, to the point of I was pretty sick mentally. I mean, when I say sick, I, I, I had an internal dialogue that was not helping me progress in, in my life. And this was during chiropractic college. During chiropractic college, those years of also the, the stress of, of 40 to 63 hour school weeks. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. and then I had to do other things on the side. I mean, it was, it was just a lot of stress with the debt load also coming from chiropractic college, which is not easy. That's a lot of debt load. So thinking about the future and the anxiety of how am I going to pay this debt off? And I mean, it was just a lot, a lot going on. And while I was studying modern survivalism, the garden came coming back, I decided, well, let's plant a garden. I mean, let's 
it's the one thing I'm not doing. I'm saving a couple of coins here and there, silver coins. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to protect my family, buying some ammunition here and there. I'm saving food or buying cans of food or, or buying bags of food. Or I mean, we're becoming a little bit more prepared and, and be able to take on life's challenges. And I never planted a garden. So while I was in Davenport, Iowa, I mean, the perfect place to grow things, if you ever want to grow anything, is, is in Iowa. We started, whenever we'd go on walks with my wife, we'd, we'd, if we found a, some wood left out, we'd ask the owners, hey, can I take that? I'm like, sure, take it. It was, it was, it was, it was garbage anyway. We also, we also found two flower pots that were thrown out that were quite large. So I took those. I asked if I could take them. they like, take them. And we took those home. I built a planter box. It was about, it was about four feet by one foot about one foot deep and one foot wide. I mean, and then I, I put that on my windowsill. I bought some, some, some flower, uh, flower, some pot, some, some potting soil and, and filled those up, planted some seed with my son and some eggshells mm. and, and planted those into the, into the flower pot and, and the planter box I'd built. And I remember very specifically, I remember times where I was just overwhelmed I would come home and I would take five to 10 to 15 minutes to just be with the plants. I mean, I'm talking maybe six or seven tomato plants and two pepper plants because that's all I had room for and just watering them and throwing tons of miracle grow inside because I planted way too many before I knew anything about anything about gardening just to keep them alive. I had to put all this miracle grow into them and just being out there, I felt at peace. I mean, it was, it was, it was those 10 to 15 minutes it was at, total peace at the moment i didn't understand why we'll talk about it later but i felt it i felt wow this feels so great and then as time went on that time would continue after i was done with my plans i'd go inside i'd feel more at peace i'd be a lot better to my wife i'd be a lot better to my son uh, i was able to enjoy the moment and then i started to realize that nature or my little edge of nature was a great way to Put yourself in the zone, put yourself in the present moment to forget about the past and all those dumb moments that you wish you could redo or forget about the anxiety of what the future might bring. And it just, it kept me at that present moment. And those couple of minutes, 10 to 15 minutes was enough to help me take that boulder off my shoulders and, and continue forward and, and start to heal mentally because it kept me in that present moment doing something good. I was growing food for myself and my family. And, and in those first moments, it helped me continue forward. And I eventually graduated college. I remember when I graduated college, I still wasn't the best. I mean, I still had those hard times. And I remember hoping that get my degree as doctor of chiropractic, I'll feel different. And I remember getting it, walking down the line and walking down, getting the diploma. I was like, I don't feel any different. I still feel terrible. <laughs> what is up with this? I was supposed to feel better. I just finished something that was really hard. And, and I ended up, we ended up uh, eating at Burger King and I was crying of despair instead of happiness because I just finished this college. And, yeah. and as I continued to garden, uh, more and more peace, more and more time where I felt that in the moment and it just get got better and better and better to the point where well I'm at now I'm I'm a, I'm a lot better I'm a ton better I'm 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 pretty much happy all the time but it took a lot of time to get there so it's it's a process but it did start with just those 15 minutes 
on the back porch in Davenport, Iowa, watering some tomato and pepper plants. Well, glad, glad to hear it, man. You know, a, a big part of um, our studies, Erasmus and I, are in the work of self-esteem. And, you know, one of the key factors to, to self-esteem and developing healthy self-esteem is, is productivity. And, in fact, the basic definition of self-esteem is developing the, the competence to deal with the basic challenges of life. So even just in gardening and exerting productive effort and proving competence to actually grow something, that more than anything is what's going to bring that peace. That's what's going to raise self-esteem and make you feel wholesome. You know, So there's, there's those, those little things and actually going through a process and receiving the fruits of your labor on, on the other side. These are basic factors which contribute to happiness which, I mean, particularly in our society, is just discarded for the most part altogether. But, I mean, not to mention even that, I mean, we're talking about nature here. This is the primordial act of grounding, right? If you're not talking about grounding, this, this is what that is. Oh, yeah. Grounding is just, I mean, grounding itself is very therapeutic. I mean, we can go on and just just being in nature and how you said how how just being able to do something for yourself and feel like you're accomplishing something how that makes you feel and that was one of the reasons i felt great and then being in the present moment and then yeah at the same time being grounded actually touching the earth i live barefoot now i'm always barefoot I, before i wasn't often but i'm always barefoot now because we've re, we realize that the two best medicines is the sun and the earth and if we can keep ourselves grounded, I mean, the benefits are enormous. And if we can get outside and get enough sun, again, the benefits are enormous. And the majority of us, what are we doing? We're stuck inside, not touching. Actually, the majority of people nowadays living in cities are living in buildings. They're so far away from the earth that, they're, that they're, they, don't, they don't even, they haven't touched earth for, for years, maybe. The same thing, we're stuck inside buildings, we're not getting in the sun. So if we can get outside and ground ourselves, I mean, the, the amount of health that comes to grounding ourselves, and I could explain, I mean, one is just anti-inflammatory. Anti I mean, we, the ground has shown to be the best anti-inflammatory that we can possibly have. I mean, a lot of inflammation is due to free radicals. Free radicals are just molecules that are looking for electrons. That's all they want, and they don't care. They'll they'll go and they'll go and get it from a from a healthy tissue if they have to. So they'll just continue and form form more and more free radicals. But we found that the that the Earth has a has a has a has a natural negative charge, and that's what they want. They want those electrons. So if we just stand barefoot on the ground, our feet every 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 inch has about one thousand three hundred receptors for these electrons. So if we just plant our feet onto the dirt, these electrons will enter our body and they'll start to neutralize all these free radicals that are causing inflammation in today's society. I mean, that's how our ancestors were able to decrease inflammation because metabolism causes free radicals, but at the same time, they were barefoot. They were sleeping outside on the dirt. I mean, they, they had this natural anti-inflammatory that was constantly helping them decrease or neutralize what, what our bodies do naturally so they could stay healthy. But we have completely lost that. I mean, shoes, everyone's got shoes on nowadays. And then- Rubber, and then rubber if, soles. Yep, rubber soles. I mean, I think uh, there's some people that say the, 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 the rubber sole of the shoe is probably the, one of the worst inventions that have ever been invented because it's caused so much havoc to our health because we've lost that contact yeah. with, with the earth. But it's not just natural inflammation too. I mean, they've shown that 
that that the blood flow i mean it's it's almost like a natural blood thinner because it it, it causes it, it causes the decrease of the clumping of all the of the blood cells and it just lets them flow a lot better there's so many studies out there showing that just touching the earth will improve your overall health with almost any type of metabolic disease which I mean, that's the true pandemic is metabolic disease is, is all the problems with, with, with heart and with cholesterol, with diabetes, with insulin resistance and all those things. That's the major problem. That's what's killing everybody. Nothing. I mean, I mean, viruses and bacteria are definitely not killing anybody. Yeah, man. I remember when uh, the book Earthing came out, I think it was Clint Ober who, who, who was one of the authors on it. And I think he like, I don't know if he used to work, I don't forget what industry he worked for, but I think it came to him when he was sitting on a bench somewhere and he just saw everyone walking around with rubber shoes and he was like whoa they're not connecting to the earth and it's a it's a it's a really interesting thing because when you think about our ancestors they were they were connected to it and every time i go outside when i'm at the ocean when i'm when my feet are connected to the ground i feel better you know and yet i think i remember reading in your book you wrote somewhere 55 percent of people live in concrete jungles you know you live in an urban environment and just i mean i lived in new york city for nine years, you know, I've technically still, I mean, I live in Los Angeles, but I moved out to Topanga Canyon. So we're, we're a little bit outside and we have, we're surrounded by nature, but how, how many, how many people, how many people on this planet that are just on concrete wearing shoes all the time that aren't getting that benefit, you know, let alone like growing a garden. So it's yeah. really like a, a huge, a huge challenge and a huge issue. I know firsthand, first couple of years of my marriage, um, we lived in an apartment like 11, 12 floors up and I would have, you mean, consistent like bouts of anxiety and, 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 and uncertainty. Um, and I began to realize that I've spent two years sleeping like a fair while up above the ground. You know what I mean? Completely disconnected from it, living most of my life literally raised on this in, in, in this platform suspended in the sky um and when when i connected those dots myself i was like we gotta we gotta move so yeah we moved a couple of hours down the coast um close to the nature and on, and on the floor and on the ground and things changed very quickly very dramatically but i just can't imagine particularly during these lockdowns people were trapped in these apartments hundreds of meters above the earth for how long at a time like what is that doing you know we could see the, the the mental health of the world has decreased enormously. I mean, not just because you're not touching earth, but you're just alone, isolated. I mean, it's yeah, it's been terrible. We can see what 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 this called and and how it's completely against our nature of who we are to be enclosed. Let me lockdowns didn't work at all. I mean, being away from nature didn't work at all. I mean, we can just see now we have two years of evidence just showing how important nature is and how important it is to be around other people and mm -hmm. enjoy the presence of other people because the, 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 the mental sickness that we're seeing skyrocketing and not only that, the, the problems with divorces and the problems with, with, uh, with, with problems at home have yeah. skyrocketed in the last two years due to this, due to this waste of a pandemic. Yeah. Ch child abuse is up. Suicide is up. Obviously domestic, domestic yeah, disturbances are, are up. I mean, it's just through the roof, you know, no, no one, no one was talking about flattening those curves, you know, for the last couple of years. Um, but 
uh, oh, there was something which else. Is so, which is so sad. Yeah. I mean, it's so sad. I mean, that was the true problem. I mean, and then, and, they, and, then they, and they put a focus on one, one little thing instead, and just let everything else just go. Yeah. And, and it's caused so much more problems. Yeah. yeah. This is what I was going to say is uh, years ago, I read an article. I don't know how many years ago, but it was someplace in Europe. Let's just say Scandinavia somewhere. I don't know if that's exactly it. Where I think it was a mental health clinic where they literally would write a prescription for you to go into nature. Like this is your prescri prescription. Go into nature, like forest bathe. Here you go. Do some forest bathing and uh, do that three times a week and then come back and see me. And I think this is a testament to even what we're talking about. Joel, you sharing your experience, me sharing mine, like what impact does it have on a, the spirit of a, of a human, the, the mind, body, spirit, you know, thing being disconnected this much, you know? And when you are this disconnected to your nature, who you are, you're much more likely to look outside look externally for the answers for solutions to things that like you like you say in your book and which i believe are pretty simple to a certain degree you know there is a simplicity but we we've been caught up in decades of of conditioning and changing systems and moving more towards this technological state where we and and being more urbanized that we don't we we forget the beauty we forget it all. Like I, I used to think like, I'm trying to think, and it's not that I ever had a, a, a hatred of nature. I just was like city boy. You know, I went to college in a city. I lived in a city for nine years after that. And then I moved to another city and it just took again, another big part of what I love to do. And what Joel and I talk about, it's like unlearning and relearning, like unlearning what was conditioned um, within me and what, what the right way to live was but then going back to this ancient wisdom and knowledge and looking back on to my ancestors and seeing how they lived, you know, my mom grew up in the mountains of Greece, you know, they had goats and chickens and, and vegetables and all this stuff, you know, so it was just a different world, you know? Yeah. Um, and you even think about like Michael Tosseri and his teachings on the existential Trinity, you know? Oh yeah. Like, the, the, was, is, is it the German idealists that have this philosophy of the the, mit, the the Eigenwelt being the self, then the Mitwelt being society, then the Umwelt being nature? And if either one of those is out of balance, there's obviously you're going to have some kind of psychological deterioration or something being off balance, you know, um, if we're disconnected from, from either one of those. So it's just a simple method for people to check, you mean, where, where am I on each of those levels? Oh, yeah. I mean, nature is a extremely important part to who we are and we definitely need to be out into nature as much as we can i mean it, like you were saying before i mean it's being out in nature i mean it's not always it's not always easy but it's it's simple it's really simple to understand and once once you make things simple health becomes so much more easier and, and nature makes it so much more simple to understand it's 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 not easy, of course, but nothing good is ever easy. We always need to be pushed. We always need to, we always need to look to be pushed and look to grow. And, and if that only happens through doing hard work and, and being out in nature is going to be one of those things that, that could be starting a new garden bed or that could be walking through the mountains. It's, it's, it's not simple, 
I mean, it's not easy, but it, but it's simple and, and it's so rewarding in, in so many ways. And of course, always going back to what I, what I love is, is, is health because that's what I've been working. That's been my life. I've dedicated my life to, yeah. to, to improving health. And it's just, if we can make things as simple as possible, I mean, everything else just kind of falls in and yeah, being out in the nature is one of those things. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. Um, you know, health has been a big part of my life for a long time and we've complicated it so much. I mean, every day, I mean, even nutrition science, it's always one thing's contradicting the next thing, the next thing. No, you should not eat meat. No, you should eat meat. No, orange juice is bad for you. No eggs are bad for you. Um, you know, and then supplements like millions upon millions of different supplements from all these different companies. Like, no, you should take this three times a day. No, take that every other day. No, you shouldn't eat for 10 hours a day. I mean, it's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how can we simplify this? And I love what you talk about in your book where it's like growing your own food, eating your own food. You know, how do we talk to ourselves? What's our internal self-talk like, which is really, really important, I think, when it comes to health, which again, they're all related. If you're out in the land, if you're growing your own vegetables, like you said earlier, you're going to have that peace, you know? And then when you have that peace, how is that going to impact the internal self-talk? How is that going to impact your relationships? You know, and so then you look at health in this like holistic way and how very often you can change one thing and then it can impact so much more. And so I think that's what nature has the ability to do and connecting to the land and and then also eating your own food. You know, there's something about the energy that you put in your food, in the things that you make, and then you receive that energy through eating it, like making your own food. And I've said this for years, it's like one of the simplest acts of self-love a human being can do is like to cook a nourishing meal for themselves with good quality ingredients. Yeah, and nutri- they've made nutrition, yeah, like you're saying, the beginning, they made nutrition so almost impossible to understand if anyone wants to do it and they don't have any understanding about it. But it truly is so very simple. Yeah. Eat what comes from the earth that is grown in soil or eats something that from the soil that is that is fertile without chemicals it's 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 so simple and and i'm not saying it's easy again i mean it's yeah it might be hard to find those foods nowadays which is becoming more and more simple because more and more people are looking for them but if you're looking to be if you're looking to 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 provide the proper nutrition that your body requires um, it's it's that simple eat foods that have been that have grown or that were raised eating foods that were grown on fertile soil and that simplifies everything you don't even you don't even need supplements i know there's a lot of people out there that that sell supplements because they think well if you're going to eat this type of a diet you're not going to have certain things even in the even in the meat eating industry they, they they try to make supplements out of organs because people don't like organs supposedly well you better eat this organ so if you don't eat this organ, you're not going to have that it's not even that difficult. You don't even need that. As long as you're eating, your body will do the rest. And, and that's all you have to worry about. It, our, we have this incredible, miraculous ecosystem inside of us that we will never completely understand. I mean, if there's a doctor that says he doesn't understand it, he's lying because we won't. It's just, it's just impossible to understand what this ecosystem of ours is. And our job is just to provide it with what it needs. And then it'll do the rest. It'll do absolutely everything else. Uh, and then decrease the amount of toxicity that we that we live in, and then we'll be healthy because that's all our bodies know. Our bodies know two things: to adapt or to maintain. And if they're adapting, they're probably adapting to something that's not good. So they're going to adapt, and we'll survive until we get sick, 
or it'll maintain health. That's all it knows. It knows those two things. So as long as we're providing what our body needs, so nutrient-dense food, that's anything that's grown or eats something that's been grown on fertile soil is enough. And our bodies will do everything else. And then it'll maintain this ecosystem of, of trillions of cells and trillions of bacteria and even trillions of viruses that'll just, it'll maintain us and we'll be fine. But that's what we have to look for. Just provide our bodies with what it needs and then it'll do the rest. And, and yeah, we try to complicate it so much and it's so simple yeah. that, that, that it's, it's scary how, how complicated they make it. You have this uh, saying in your book, it's like a mantra. I am an ecosystem of trillions of cells programmed for health. And I just love that too, because it is true. Our body is always looking to go back to homeostasis. Our body's always looking to, again, we give this example all the time of, oh, I cut my finger. If I just let it be, then you're just going to see the body do its thing and start healing. You know, and so the, that's happening on, on every level in our, in our body as well. And so if we can trust that process too, like even this whole idea of like when we get sick, when we have disease, you know, and, and from my education, that, that's the body going through a healing process was when symptoms show up. And so it's like, can we trust that as opposed to, oh no, something's wrong. It's a bad thing. I need to stop it. I need to take this pill. I need to take this supplement so I can stop going through this process of my body doing what it does organically to heal. And I think that's another area where, where we've just been, we've just been twisted uh, backwards, you know, and even in some of the alternative communities too, where it's like, no, okay, we won't take a medicine, but we'll take this supplement that does the same thing and interrupts this healing process that is natural. And I think, I think that's what we need to move away from more. And really, again, it keeps going back to nature, 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 trusting the intelligence of nature and the intelligence of our bodies. Yeah, but also like we're slowly being psychologically manipulated to believe that we're separate from nature, right? You're, you are nature itself. Um, yep. One of my favorite quotes, which I heard a long time ago um, is by, by Alan Watts. He says, we do not come into this world. We come out of it as leaves from a tree as the ocean waves, as the apple tree apples, the earth peoples. Every individual is an expression of the whole realm of nature, a unique action of the total universe. So if we can just somehow deeper embody the fact that you are nature, so why would you give yourself anything that isn't, you know? Oh, yeah. And then not only that, I mean, we have such an important role. I mean, our, our role to maintain nature, to help maintain it, well, if we do it properly, I mean, what we're doing nowadays, we're seeing we're destroying it. I mean, nature, the human, humans, nature doesn't need us. We need nature, though. I mean, if we can't survive without her, but she can survive perfectly without us. So our role, which can be very important, is to help her thrive. And if we're doing our part, being part of this ecosystem called planet Earth, I mean, we can the, the way we, we will thrive is 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 incredible i mean what we will be able to achieve is incredible but we have to work with her we have to be part of her yeah and if we're part of her ah the things that can happen are, are incredible none of this none of this none of this uh monoculture none of this destroying of of mother nature if we work with her and see well that's how it's grown in nature if we do that yeah i mean we can only see us progressing and becoming more healthy and, and happier and better people. But yeah, yeah, we're definitely part. And I feel like it's part of this whole like globalist um, 
you know, NWO agenda that's been going for a while is like, why do we need to like make all this food faster, you know, and, and bigger and, and, and to feed the whole planet when it's like, why can't we just keep bringing it back to communities, local, local, like ecosystems, you know, as opposed to, no, we have to destroy all this land and just grow tons and tons of GMO corn and soy. And, and then we have all this surplus and like, what are we going to do with it? We'll just make these other things to put into food. And you know what I mean? It's just like this idea, we just moved away from a more localized way of living and thinking to this place where it's like, no, we're responsible to just make things in these huge factories or grow or raise animals in these large lots, as opposed to, again, this symbiotic relationship that nature has, you know, and these little regenerative farms that we see that are popping up more and around the world, which is pretty awesome to see. There, there is a, a really amazing uh, return back to this that I'm seeing. I have friends that are getting into it, people that are like saying, you know what, I'm going to buy land and start my own farm. It's really cool. I mean, you're doing it, you know, like it's, it's awesome. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like just like the trends that you're seeing and, and, and that whole thing. Yeah, the trends of people going back to land are incredible. And it's been a huge increase in these last two years that we could see. I mean, the amount of people just trying to get into gardening is, is insane, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, if we just, like you were saying before, if we look just at World War II and the Victory Gardens, there was almost 50% of all, no, it was like, yeah, about 50% of all produce was, was grown in backyards. I mean, because the government actually told people to raise their own garden, to grow their own garden. And they actually gave them plans to do it. And they said, for every person at home, have two chickens. And so this was actually, this was something that they told the citizens to do. I mean, why can't they do that nowadays? I mean, it would change completely the way we see things. But the majority of, uh, of what we ate was grown in our backyard gardens or our front yard gardens or, or school gardens. And it was, it was so simple. And you look at how it and it's all, it all comes back to, to money. We could go into that just a little bit more, but yeah, there's a lot of money to be made for, for very few people it, it, with monoculture and, and, and the development of, of certain seeds that can, can withstand pesticides and herbicides that only cause us damage. I mean, a lot of people talk about the gluten intolerance. I mean, it's not gluten intolerance, it's chemical intolerance. And these, these poor, these poor plants are just bombarded with chemicals throughout its whole life. And then that's, that that ends up being in the food we eat. Of course, there is more gluten in the, in, in the grain that we use today. That was, that's manufactured by Monsanto, but, but the whole thing is chemicals, but, but the whole movement back to the land is beautiful. That's such a positive thing. And, and it's exploding. It's exploding right now. And not just in the States either, all over the world. I'm here. I'm currently here in Argentina where yeah, lots of permaculture farms are popping up all over the place. A lot of people are going back to grow their own. I mean, they always talk about, yeah, just two generations ago, my, my grandparents had the garden, but and they're starting to do it now. I mean, they're starting to get back to it. So it's not just in the States where you're seeing this explosion of people wanting to get back to the land. It's happening worldwide because this whole pandemic, this was a, I mean, pandemic, it was a worldwide thing and it affected the world uh, in a way that it, well, we can get into that, but yeah. I mean, it, we, it, the pandemic didn't affect the world. The, the, what, what the governments of the world did affected the world. Yeah, I think but, we, but we've yeah. all talked about that ad nauseum over the last two years, you know? Um, I love what you said before about the government um, encouraging people to have chickens and, and grow vegetables in their front yard and their backyard. 
where now there's some areas in the US where you'll get fined if you're growing vegetables in your front yard, where they don't allow you to do that. It's like, no, let's just have these lawns, grass. What? It's ridiculous. Yeah. All this space, all this land, and what could be grown there and raised there. But one thing you mentioned also is that it's only one or two generations that were disconnected from this. It hasn't been as, as long or as deep a separation as people might believe, you know. So I think we can get back there really quickly. But what can you talk to us about the importance of soil and the current mm. state of the soil and the effects that monoculture and um, the, the chemical industry has had on the soil and how we can, I guess, get back to a, a more healthy state? in terms of soil yeah the soil is pretty much dead <laughs> if you look at any type of monocrop agriculture i mean the soil is pretty much dead there's no life in it it's so that means the food we're eating from these monocrop these monocrop farms are are very nutrient poor it's almost it's almost no nutrition at all and more chemicals than anything else but the majority of our top soil has been washed away the majority of our soil is completely dead um at least in, in the places where the majority of the food is grown, soil is pretty much dead. I mean, and this has been going on for gener- for decades now. So how can we bring them back? So that's the bad news. The good news is it's not that hard to bring it back, but we have to do it one person at a time. And that all starts with just composting. Instead of throwing out your organic waste, compost it. Yeah, Compost it. It, 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 and it starts and the cool thing about it, I mean, so you look at Joel Salatin and his farm and the way they compost all the manures and throw back on the fields. And now they're, they're having to raise their, their fence posts because their soil continues to build. I mean, so you see it on these, on these huge farms like Joel Salatin, also uh, white oak pastures, I think it's called these, these, but it all starts with just us too, as individuals. I mean, so instead of throwing out your organic wastes, Turn that into compost, and if you don't even have a garden, you can just throw it anywhere, and it's going to build up that soil. So we can all compost, and it's and it's and they make it look a lot different, difficult than it is. It really is just throwing organic material. If you've got dry material, the better it is because dry material is going to make it so it doesn't smell. Mm-hmm. But so if you want to, if you have dry material, make sure you throw the dry material in it. But it's just let nature be nature. Throw yeah. And it'll come, it'll decompose and it'll eventually turn into something beautiful. I call it black gold because that's what it turns into. It turns into this black soil that's just wonderful. And that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been telling people. Just start, don't throw away organic waste. I mean, I, I even start, I even throw away these old oils, not carls, but oils that are like fats and stuff like that. I even throw that on there and it turns out beautiful i mean because nature just runs her course and we try to make it so difficult you know you need 40 40 dry to every one wet and all these i mean if you have the perfect conditions yeah do it put 40 dry to one wet but if you don't just compost what you have and it'll eventually turn into beautiful soil and then you can put that on your garden beds or you can put it in your pots if you got pots because you don't have enough room to grow or you don't have any soil you put those in your pots you grow your vegetables in your pots and i've here where i'm living right now i've uh, i mean i wish i I wish i should i should have calculated but hundreds and hundreds of pounds of compost in, in the year in the year and five months that we're living at this place just through my natural throwing away of natural waste and then saving all the leaves and the grass clippings. I've made hundreds of pounds of compost and that's all gone 
right back onto my garden beds. And my gardens, you can see that they're, they're just flourishing. I mean, they're, they're, there's, well, I got some pests, but if they're pests aren't there bothering my plants, I mean, the garden is flourishing. And, yeah. and I have less and less pests because of the, the strength and the, and, and the fertility of the soil, thanks to the compost. That would so, be step number one. So when it comes to composting, because, you know, different people have different opinions. So I, I like what you said. So do you have like a drum or, th- or do you just throw it in an area on the ground where you just keep piling on top and throw your, your waste? Like, let's say, you know, you made vegetables, you cut off the ends and you just go, oh, I'm going to throw that in. And then you rake some leaves and you throw some leaves in there. So is that pretty much the, the process that you follow? I've had... It all depends on where I'm living. Right now, I'm living in a place where I do have a little bit more room. So I have two huge uh, plastic containers that I drill holes into. I fill those two up. I'll, I'll take my organic waste and I'll take all maybe like the, the charcoal from the barbecue. And then I'll take dry material and I'll throw it and then I'll, I'll move it around. And once those two get full, I'll, I'll take those two plastic containers that are pretty big. I'll put it out. I'll mix it one more time. And then I'll eventually, and that'll, and that's where I leave it until I use it. And if I don't use it, I'll put it in the bags, and then I'll put the next set there. But it's, it's my system is basically two big containers with holes drilled in it. I fill those two up, and while I'm filling those up, I move it. So every couple of days, because I take my dry material, my wet material, every couple of days, I'll move it. And once those two plastic containers are full, I'll then put it on a piece of wood that I put on outside, and I'll just, I'll put. A lot of dry material on the bottom, some of that compost, well, that, that compost in the making, dry material, compost in the making, dry material, compost in the making, dry material on top, and just let it sit there. Just let it yeah. sit there and let nature and let nature just do its job. And it and it turns into, I mean, it's 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 such a it's such a beautiful smell too. I mean, you 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 grab a handful of it and it, it smells so fresh and it's so clean and so beautiful. And, and it's funny how you were it's all just started as, as organic waste before. But that, that's my system. And, and it's, it's that simple. It's that simple. And like I said, I even throw oils sometimes in there. And I'll mix the oils up. I mean, I don't throw anything out anything that's or, organic, I don't throw out anymore. So if I cook even, a steak, you know, you took a steak, and then the pan has leftover oils, you just add that to the compost. Well, I usually cook with that. I won't throw that in there. Okay, got <laughs> I'll it. use I'll use that to cook with, and I'll, and then but other oils that I don't cook with. Oh, yeah, I'll just throw them in there. And it decomposes i mean i heard joe i heard one time uh, jeff lawton he he composted a there was a there was a deer that got ran over he took the deer and he composted he just threw that he threw it well he put more material on top of it and composted the whole deer bones and all and it wow. and it composted and it became beautiful soil i mean so it's i mean we're all organic i mean we're all going back into the soil so these people that say you need certain you can't no anything that's organic just throw it in there i use i use burnt charcoal i use the charcoal that after the barbecue oh. too i mean i i just throw everything that's organic i even paper if i'm not burning paper it's going back it's going to the compost pile and i but i usually do burn it before but i don't throw out any paper it all goes to the to, to start fires for the barbecue because i love to barbecue i barbecue all the time because i love meat or it goes into the into the compost pile so they, they throw, they ash. throw ash in there too oh yeah sorry man the, the drums are filled with the soil right and then, then plus nope. organic material, or you just put organic material in the drums, and that's yep, it, all the organic waste, all the organic waste with. So it's all the wet and dry. That's it. And I just flip it every cup, every day, every time I take some new wet organic material, I throw some more dry and I flip it. That's it. So there's no you soil just, in there. It's just wet and dry organic material. Okay. When you yep. say when you say flip it, you mean 
like the, like aerate it. Like I take the I take the shovel and I yeah and I, oh. I move it and I got move it. it. Got it. So when you say yeah. big big jugs, is it like a plastic, you know, tupper big tap Tupperware thing? Sorry, I'm, I like I, I'm sure a lot of other people are, are curious about this too because sure, sure. it's like a starting yep. point, and not everyone wants to go spend a hundred dollars or three hundred dollars on some contraption that like you know that you 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 do this thing, you know, like the spinning <laughs> thing. You know, so it's like these are these are practical things that I'm curious about. Too. We have a yep. we have a worm tower, a worm farm, um, which we use for composting, and it creates like a we call it worm tea or worm juice, whatever it might be, like a fertilizer liquid. But we have we got like I think like 500 to a thousand worms, but it, they they don't get through as much material as we thought they would um, in terms of our leftovers. So yeah, I'm definitely interested in how we can actually use everything because we're still chucking some organic material because the worms can't take them really. Oh yeah. And if you're, if you're living in an apartment or anything like that, that worm casting is the best because then you're not going to have that much smell and it turns into that, that, that tea where you can yeah. just put it in that's super, super rich in nutrition. So that's another great way. But yeah, I just used two big tuppers, two big tupper with the, with the, with the, the lids and I just drew drilled holes around them in the last house. I was at, I took, I took two, I think they're, 20 gallon buckets okay and and i just i cut out the bottoms i used wire to put them to and then i just and then i had two of those so i had two i had two 20 pound or 20 gallon buckets tied to each other and i would just fill those up that's how i did it and i filled those up and once they got full i'd flip it and then and that's how i did it and i just and, and so you can it's there's lots of ways to do it. Those yeah. are the two ways. I'm. This is the last two ways I've done it. So in the last house and in this house, that's how I've done it. And cool. it's just been very simple. Yeah. And like I said, just, just start doing it. I mean, yeah. if you, if it's all wet material, it's not going to have the best smell. That's, gotcha. I mean, cause the nitrogen is going to, you're going to see a decrease in nitrogen and it's going to cause a smell, but it will decompose and it'll eventually turn into beautiful soil. If you continue to flip it. Yep. Cool. That's, that's the way I mate um i was vegan slash vegetarian myself for six years up to 2020 and i reintroduced meat back into my diet um and i mean personally i've found profound benefit in my health and also my mental and psychological um well-being my ability to focus my ability to be grounded my ability to provide everything i found has been enhanced and linked to me reintroducing meat to into my diet personally but can you talk about um your relationship with, with, with meat, Ben, and the importance of that for you now? I've always enjoyed meat, but it's, it's, it's never been something that's been so important. I mean, like I said, I love to garden. So I, I garden to feed myself. I really thought, well, I'll just have a garden. I'll feed myself. And I eat meat every once in a while. But as, as I've come around, I've learned that meat and fat are probably two of the most important nutrients for us as human beings. I was talking with um, one of the one of the big guys in carnivore, uh, Sean Baker, I was talking to him the other mm. day and he was, he was telling me, he's like, there's some indigenous people that they, they would grow grains and, and leafy crops, not for them. It would bring the animal in so they wouldn't have to go and hunt them. So it would just bring the animal in so they didn't, and they wouldn't have to go out and hunt. That's how, that's how that made it easier for them to, to catch an animal. And he actually said in, in some of these, in some of these indigenous uh, languages, uh, the grain, the, the word meant uh, animal food. And then the animal actually, the, the name of the animal is actually human food. Mm. 
And that's how it was. And as we see, I mean, throughout our time as, as human beings, we can see the majority of our diets were always, were always meat-based. I mean, they're always meat-based and not only meat-based, but, but the biggest and fattest animal-based. So fat, we ate lots of fat. And as, as I continue to study and, I, and, and see how we, how as us as humans have eaten throughout as long as we can remember, I mean, I guess we could say the last hundred years, we've tried to go more plant-based and we could, we can probably go into that. And it's a lot, again, it's, it's, it's more based on money than anything else mm -hmm. uh, for a few people, again, not, not for the majority, but for a few people, but as human beings, we've, we've, we've eaten meat and fats. Fat has been our fuel and meat has been our nutrition. And of course you can add the organs in because the organs are also nutrient rich in in other in other aspects they have some more nutrients in, in other aspects but as a human our diet should be based i personally believe from what i've learned is meat-based and if it's meat-based like you say we're going to feel a lot better not only physically but internally too i mean uh, we're going to be a lot more a lot more alert and we're going to be a lot more mentally ready to take on whatever we've got to take on and I see in physically too, I can see myself, I'm a lot stronger physically too. Mm -hmm. And and that's something very important. Movement is incredibly important. I mean, we can, if we're just going to eat meat and fats, I mean, without movement, I mean, that's not good. I mean, so yeah. our ancestors had to go out and hunt. So that was their physical activity to bring in the meat to eat it. So a lot of times our hunting is working out or, or, or doing things that, that keeps us active and, 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 and moving as much as we can. So we have to move, uh, not just eat, but we have to move and be as active as possible. And that's one of the things that the garden does too. I mean, it helps us move. I remember, I remember some of my most rigorous workouts were worth a pickaxe, a shovel and a bottle of water. And it was me trying to move dirt. I mean, those are, those are, if anyone has lived in the desert, you know what caliche is. And then that's like, it's basically going through rock. And when I lived in Vegas, that's what I was doing. I was going through caliche trying to, trying to find an area where I could actually plant some, some, some vegetables. And I remember those are some of the best workouts I ever had is pickaxe shovel and a bottle of water and just move in dirt. And it's, that's a free weight and it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I've been a carnivore my whole life. Uh, I experimented, I think maybe without having meat for a couple of weeks, a few weeks. And I, I definitely did not feel as emotionally grounded as energetic uh, as I did when I was consuming meat. So, you know, at the end of the day, to each his own, they can make the decisions they want, but at the end of the day, you know, nature's gonna teach you lessons. So if you're able to 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 be um, vital and fulfilled, if you're not eating meat, I don't know many people, to be honest, uh, and the ones that maybe do, they are there in the sun like 80% of the day, so that might help, but uh, I, I've worked with clients and I've known a lot of people that have transitioned from a vegan or primarily vegetarian diet to integrating meat. And um, they've experienced, like what Joel was saying, so many amazing results in their life. So, you know, I, I'm an yep. advocate of meat eating for sure. Yep. And that's the same as here. I mean, if that's the, one of the first things I talk about with my patients is, is getting rid of, well, getting rid of the processed foods first and foremost, mm -hmm. but then going as much meat as possible to see how they feel and usually they feel great it almost always they feel great after doing yeah i mean i've even recommended there's some people i know that are vegans who just couldn't stomach eating meat and i was like well just take liver capsules you know and i was just try that and they would they were open to taking capsules of, of liver and just from that they said they felt so much better so just imagine 
imagine what actually then integrating more meat eating and other types of foods into your day-to-day what that's going to do you know it's who we are incredible. i mean it's who we are yeah it's who we are we we've we've always eaten meats i mean it's something that's only this this fat of eating pure vegetables is something very new i mean yeah. so we've, we've yeah we've eaten meats since we've been humans yeah it's and it's, it's so it's so interesting to me you think about it just in in so many areas where people just don't know their history. They just don't, they don't know what went on 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 80 years ago, especially when you're thinking about current state of events. But just again, like back to like what our ancestors ate, what indigenous populations around the world ate. You know, you think about the work of Dr. Weston A. Price where he was going around and, and investigating and looking at like dental health and seeing all these indigenous cultures with great teeth who were eating animal protein, I mean, animal foods and drinking blood and all this other stuff you know what i mean and so it's just silly to me like it's like oh just because something is like the newest that means it's the best like someone comes up with some idea you know or it's um propagandized like okay let's all be vegan let's all save the planet which again this is another form of collectivism like it's a it's like save the planet just don't eat meat you know we're in this together do your part like no i'm not going to sacrifice my health just so I can like virtue signal all day and be part of some club and be like, I'm a good person. No, I don't roll that way. Anyways. That, that, that being said yeah. though, I definitely do empathize with the, the, the death of an, of, of an animal. Like myself, like I a hundred percent enjoy eating meat. But for example, if I'm watching a, a cooking show or some kind of documentary and like, you mean animals being killed and slaughtered for, for consumption, I don't enjoy watching that, and that that knowledge, you mean, does does bother me to extent on, on on some level. So I can also empathize how people can be like, man, I can't just bring myself to do that anymore. I get that, and I feel you. And I'll ask this question to you: Is if you weren't so removed from nature, would you have the same opinion? If you're if you were around, if you grew up around raising chickens and slaughtering chickens and that kind, would you be saying the same exact thing? Oh, I just feel like. I think that's part of it yeah prob- prob- probably not you know but i mean not not that i can say for sure but yeah, yeah of course and, that, that's and i get what you're factor. saying i I, yeah. I would love animals i would love for them not to, to to die you know but again there's this cycle of life you know i mean yeah ben i'm curious your thoughts on that whole subject because it's it's one that a lot of people are having yeah and to me, once when, when someone I personally believe everyone should at least butcher a chicken, everyone should go through the process. Now, if you're going to eat meat, you should go through the process. I, I would believe you should try to go through that process to see where it comes through, mm-hmm. because then your respect for that animal goes way up to the roof. And it's you don't want to give anything. Away. I, I were actually I raised chicken on pasture for a year uh as as a side business and every time we had to butcher those chickens i mean so it was between 30 to 50 every time we went through it i mean you the respect for that animal went way up you didn't want to waste anything we didn't waste anything we saved everything so we saved feet for broth we saved all the organs besides besides the intestines we composted the intestines but the respect for that animal and what you're and what you're eating and what you're consuming goes way out and i remember some of the best tasting foods were the the foods that I butchered or the foods that I picked. So if we can all have that experience and actually do it, 
and see, and the easiest one is the chicken, uh, the respect goes way up. I uh, Same thing while well, hunting. I mean, when I was hunting, being able to see that animal, shoot that animal, and then butcher that animal out in the wild. I mean, the respect for that animal you don't, is, is incredible. You take that and it, it's, it, it's a beautiful feeling. It's a beautiful feeling that, that you know you're part of a, of a beautiful cycle um, and you try to respect that am, animal as much as you can as you, as you provide nutrient-dense food to your family. But yeah, at the same time, you look at modern agriculture and, 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 and you see how they, oh. how they treat those animals. Like and yeah, you, 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 yeah. You, you can understand why I don't want to eat any meat anymore. And that's why it's so, that's why it's so important to get your, your food as local as possible and get to know your farmer or your rancher, because they're doing it in a way that's respecting that animal. I mean, if we, if we look at nature, I mean, there's not any animal that dies a beautiful death. I mean, when a lion goes after a, an animal, it tears it apart. I mean, it's not a beautiful death either. I mean, anything, I mean, a lot of the times, what, the way we're butchering is a lot more, a lot more, is a lot more beautiful than what you'll see in nature. I mean, so most animals, if they're being eaten, I mean, it's not a beautiful death. So a lot of the times the way we do it is a lot more beautiful than, than what we'll see in nature. But I truly believe that each person should at least put your chicken once in their life to see where if if they eat meat and i recommend it i recommend meat in the diet do it at least once so you can fully respect what an animal is and what it is providing you that's a so ben, I, that's oh, a great point um definitely and i i i do i i can't see the plausibility in that for sure because part of the psychological aspect of perhaps veganism or or whatever it might be can also be a, a avoiding pain, avoiding the negativity, avoiding the, you mean the darkness at the, at the same time we're unwilling to see in ourselves, And that's actually inherently built into nature, you know? Um, so I, yeah. I, I used to say that I, I felt that veganism is the spiritual is the, is the form of spiritual bypassing of nutrition world, mm. you know, which it can be, you know, Makes where, sense. you know, where there is less, like, I don't want to deal with the, the realities of nature, the pain. Now, all that said, if I was being exposed to all these videos, you know, of the harsh, horrible realities of industrial, you know, raising of animals, I mean, it's, it's disgusting. It's the, it should not be happening. You know, like it's also why I, I don't eat anything that comes from that process. I mean, maybe once in a blue moon, I'm out somewhere. I'm not you know, I'm not going to be like a 100% Nazi around, you know, my food choices, you know, but I tend to be as conscious as I can. So I get it, you know, I get how like, depending on the individual, and their psychology and their personality and their education, they come across a video or a documentary on Netflix, but a lot of these documentaries, I think are, are there to serve an agenda, you see this, you see what's happening, and you go, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not gonna eat that stuff. So I get it. I get it. But again, you know, we're here for the truth. So like, what is the reality? What is the truth about it? What, what is nature? You know, like, are there, are there ethical ways to raise animals, to respect the animal to, you know, you think about native American, you know, tribes that there's, they, like you said, they didn't waste anything, you know, they, 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 you know, prayed over the animal or they gave thanks. Like it, it was a ritual. It wasn't just like, ah, fuck it. You know? So I get it, but this is, you know, this is a deep conversation. A lot of people are having and, you know, I have friends of mine that are vegan and we get into some back and forth, but respectful because I, 
Obviously, I want to have conversations with people that can honor my views and they can honor and I can honor theirs. You know what I mean? So um, I've only touched on this briefly. I don't know any depth of, I don't have any real depth of knowledge on this topic, but I was reading briefly last night, actually, that um, this was someone's opinion and they quoted some, some, I guess, form of science that our biologically, if you look at our biological system, it's actually most conducive to, to be a frugivore for human beings. If you look from mouth to, to, to rectum, our system is actually most inclined towards fruit. Any, any thoughts on that? Anyone? Yeah. And that's what they'll say. That's, and then we'll get a lot of science out there. They'll say those exact things. But if you look at our truth, it's, it's the, the shortness of our, our, our large bowel and, and all these things will, because if you look at a, at a gorilla, they have a huge large bowel. Ours is completely, is a lot shorter than a gorilla is. I mean, you look at who we are as humans, and if you feel healthy and you feel, and that's most important, what you're eating, that's probably what you should be eating. And most people feel their best when they're consuming meats. Yeah. And so, and, and that's what I always tell people. I mean, a lot of people, well, I want the numbers. I want to get a, I want to, I want to, I want to know the numbers. I want to know, I want to get a blood test. I want to get a urine test. I want to, I want to know the numbers. Those I mean, our ancestors never had the numbers. What did, what did they do? They simplified their nutrition. They ate what kept them alive. And they looked for things that were nutrient, which was usually in an animal because that was a great way. And they lived long, beautiful, happy lives. I mean, that, that is just how it is. So I, I say, just look to how, you, how your ancestors ate. So if you're from Greece or if you're from Italy, how did they eat four, five, six, seven generations ago? How did they eat before all this monoculture this, this started? How did they eat? Well, yeah. eat like they did. And then if we can, and like I say, vegetables, if we eat vegetables in season, and if we prepare them the right way, they're probably going to be nutritious too. But what we can see is our ancestors, they, there was always a type of preparation for a vegetable. It wasn't just like a meat where you can grab it and then put it on the fire and eat it. No, there was always a preparation. I mean, I was just talking to, to, to Bill Schindler the other day, and he was saying the, the potato, which is consumed worldwide and quite a bit, I mean, it originated in Bolivia and Peru. And how did they eat it? They would harvest that potato, and then they would ferment it for six months to a year before they even ate it. So they'd ferment it so all, the, so all the bacteria would go in and eat the majority of the carbohydrate and all the toxins so then the human could eat it. So, and I, and I, love his, the, I love the way he talks about it. He's like, what, it's not what can we eat, it's how do I prepare it so I can eat it? And the easiest thing to prepare is meat. And then we have all these vegetables that we can prepare if we eat them in season, of mm -hmm. course. And if we prepare them the right way, which usually is fermentation. I mean, the majority of vegetables, if we're going to eat them, should be fermented, even, even the potato. I mean, fermenting your vegetables is probably the best way to make them highly nutritious. Maybe not highly nutritious, more nutritious for, our, for, for, for us as human beings. But we can't, it's not, it's not what can I eat, it's how should I prepare this so it's the most nutritious for my ecosystem of cells. Yeah. People have gotten so neurotic over food, you know, and again, part of it is also the, what they're consuming, you know, there's, you know, social media and the media is like I said earlier, it's just insane. Um, but again, it's like, I look at animals in the wild, they're, they're not out there counting calories. 
<laughs> you know, no. they're not out there going, mm, well, you know, this gazelle has uh, the appropriate ratio of copper to selenium or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like yeah. that. That's what I want. You know, and this is another thing, too, is because we've gotten so disconnected from our bodies and disconnected from nature, we can't even tune into that wisdom of like, oh, oh yeah, that's what I want. That's good for me. I know that that's good for me. You know, we're, we've become so like brainwashed in some We've been sense. gaslit. We've been gaslit, bro. Because you can even tie this back into, you know, objectivism, you know, because in objectivism, which is the philosophy of Ayn Rand, the primordial value for any human being or any sentient being, any organism has to be survival, right? Now, plants and animals, they are hardwired to do the thing or to make the act that is most conducive to their survival. Whereas human beings, we are the only sentient being with volitional consciousness where we can know what's best for us. We can know what is most optimal, yet we can still make the decision to act in our own detriment, right? And most people are disconnected from their survival. And I think this ties into something that you were diving into earlier in terms of some kind of modality you were looking into. But if survival is our optimal value, then we're going to make that best decision. And if the individual has eaten meat and knows they feel better on, on, on meat, then, then they're not going to be gaslit by vegan agendas or whatever it might be to make decisions which are detrimental to their own health. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this, this, is, this is the virtue of selfishness in, in, in a way, for real. And it's funny how we're talking about this and, and, and how it all started out with growing in our garden <laughs> and, and, but it's, it's how I evolved too. same thing. I mean, I, and at the same thing, when I, when I'm talking about, like I was saying before, it's not, it's not what can I eat? It's how do I prepare it? So I can eat it. And that's what we need. And that's how we need to look at our nutrition. I mean, so what do, what do plants have? Plants have chemical warfare to defend themselves. That's it. Cause they can't run. They can't kick. They can't bite. They have chemical warfare. So how can I neutralize those chemicals to make them somewhat nutritious for myself? And that's what we need to be doing. So if you're going to eat vegetables, which I do eat, I mean, yeah. I, I eat like in my garden right now, I'm, I've got, I've got honeydew melon, I've got butternut squash, I've got, and I've got some watermelons. And then I got some, the normal, some tomatoes, jalapenos and peppers, which I don't eat much. I mean, I make salsas out of them, so I cook them. I don't eat them plain anymore. But the majority of my gardener thing are, are, are vegetable, are fruits that, that I can consume without lots of preparation. So the butternut squash or any type of squash are really good. Or also the summer squashes, um, mm -hmm. zucchinis and stuff like that. They don't need a lot of preparation, a lot of changing to, 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 to get the best out of them. So it's if my gardens have evolved over time into into vegetables that are more that are that are less that are less prone to cause chemical warfare inside of my body so i can enjoy those vegetables also but like i said the majority of my diet is animal based for sure yeah i tend to lean to uh animal products fruits roots that's pretty much it i mean i I didn't eat greens for a really long time but now it's like oh, i like lettuce occasionally you know it's again i <laughs> This is where we go back to mindset. This is where we go back to how we think about the thing that we're doing. How do we think about the food that we're eating? If I go out and I just have like a chocolate cake, cause you know, I'm like, fuck it, I'm having chocolate cake. I'm with friends, I'm with family. I feel great. Life is awesome. Is one thing Then I eat it and be like, oh man, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh my God, this is horrible. Like I'm, I'm gonna feel sick and I'm at health and I'm guilty and I'm a horrible person. You know, like what's going on? Like it's, or even like, 
not eating something sometimes, even though you really want to, because you want to enjoy it, you know, and you beat yourself up. Oh man, you're, you're, you're so boring and you're so rigid and you're so strict. It's like, yo, chill. Mental self-talk is so important around this, you know? Yeah. So again, I, I tend to live by like a 90, 10 rule, I guess, like 90, maybe even more than that, 95, five, but I eat like really consciously healthy. I know where my food comes from. And then, you know, once in a blue moon, you know, if I want to get a little tub of like organic, like ice cream and have some organic ice cream. That's my thought. Oh, yeah. Once that's, in a blue moon. No worries, bro. Yeah. Once in a blue moon. Nah. <laughs> now, there, was a, there was a period where I was having a little bit more, you know, because I was experimenting. Because again, there's different, pe- different people out there that share their wisdom and knowledge. And I like to investigate and I like to experience, you know, like, so that's where it comes from. Hey, I used to be hardcore, man. I didn't have white sugar for eight years. I haven't had alcohol for nine years. I haven't had, I didn't, I haven't had caffeine for nine years. You know, I actually didn't have chocolate for eight years, but you know what? I've integrated the little chocolate into my life again, because I enjoy chocolate. Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing. Don't, don't beat yourself up. If you do some, I mean, it's, if you want the moment you start beating yourself up when you've already lost. And I always tell my patients too. I mean, it's, 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 it all, it all goes back to quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. So the majority of the majority of our time, so the majority of our time, we should be taking decisions consciously about our health but just every once in a while like you were saying hey, i got a birthday party all my friends i'm going to yeah. enjoy this piece of cake with them because it's going to improve my quality of life for this moment right now with them and i don't care yeah as long as as long as you have a high quality of lifestyle but in the end yeah i always say 90 at least 90 percent of our decisions should be focused on our health because that's our that's our most important asset if we have if we don't have health we can't do anything we can't help ourselves and we definitely can't help our loved ones if we don't have health so the majority of our decisions should be based on our health i agree man, man. my 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 wife's italian and her ancestors ate pizza so don't be trying to take that away from her yeah <laughs> And, and uh, you can you can actually make pizza nutritious. I mean, so ferment ferment that bread, and you use fermented bread, and it's actually you can actually say that it turns somewhat nutritious. <laughs> Listen, there's there's uh, there's some places here in the Los Angeles area that make pizza with like fermented sourdough, whatever fermented bread, whatever. It's delicious. I feel good after it. So if I want to indulge, I'm going to indulge. But what back to you said about what health is the number one asset. In one of my old email addresses that I still I still use, um, I found the quote that I've used at the bottom of it for probably over 15 years now is when health is absent, wisdom cannot reveal itself. Art cannot become manifest. Strength cannot be exerted. Wealth is useless and reason is powerless. It's from Herophilus, 300 BC. And it's the truth, you know, and this is something that we're not our education system, which again, that's an, that's another podcast episode, you know, um, doesn't teach us these basic elements. Like we're not really taught unless you're some specialty school or some Waldorf school or whatever, like you're not taught to connect to the land, like public school education, not teaching you how to, that, that health is your number one asset. I didn't learn that. You know what I mean? Like they don't teach you how to like succeed in life. It's like, just learn this very often useless information and regurgitate it and listen to what your teacher says, follow authority. Don't question it. Uh, this, we, this, I mean, it. we can touch on this briefly, but I mean, the, the root of this is that we program to outsource every single bit of knowledge, right? We don't self inquire on any matter. 
let alone what's good for us. You know what I mean? We're not taught to self-direct our learning. Imagine yourself, you're taught to self-direct your learning. You know, what, what, what inspires you? Sure, go learn that. Go grow something based on that. But imagine if you could also move that to health, right? You figure out what, what's actually good for you. Here, try these different things. How do you feel, right? Get to know your body. Get to know how you feel when you consume different kinds of things. But again, man, this is this comes back to the globalist, the globalist agenda that's infiltrated all public schools, you know, and a lot of the private schools as well, which is cookie cutter indoctrination. They try to treat us as though we're all the same, as though they were all the same being, right? Nothing in nature we're is so equal. different. Nothing in nature is equal. This whole equality concept, this whole oneness, this whole unity consciousness, it's it doesn't exist. No. We're all, and, and and that's why that's the I think that's the one reason why I continue to work as a chiropractor because I get to see that in each patient. Yeah, each patient is different. It's beautiful, and it's, yeah. and it's beautiful to see how each patient responds to what I tell them to do and how I treat them. It's different every single time. And I tell you the truth, if it wasn't, I probably wouldn't be doing it anymore because I'd be, yeah. I'd be bored and why would I be doing this? But being able to see and chat and learn and teach and be part of the healing process for an individual is beautiful. It's yeah. so beautiful and it's different every single time. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we, we can be guides, you know, we can be like points where people come uh, across in their lives for, for guidance. But at the end of the day, it's the individual that has to make the decisions. Like they have to make the changes to their lifestyle. Then they have to be able to connect the dots between, wow, I make this choice. I think this thought, I eat this food. I engage in that relationship and X, Y, Z happens. Wow. Let me try something different and see what happens. Let me experiment. Let me do, you know, uh, see what a completely different choice is going to, what impact that's going to have on me, you know, as opposed to just like, even saying like, Oh, yes, I paid money to Dr. Ben, whatever he says I'm going to do. Like you may have wisdom and knowledge and have answers, but at the end of the day, no one should blindly, no one should blindly listen to what you say, what I say, what Joel says. They can, they can take in our information and go, that's interesting. That's great. Let me, let me go check that out for myself. Let me figure out how that is for me, you know, but, um, that's how it should be. Yeah. That's the way it should be. And that's what I tell my patients to do. That's what I always tell them. And I always tell my patients too. I mean, the true, the true job of a doctor is to entertain the patient why the patient heals themselves. Mm, because great. healing is from the inside out. I mean, like you were just saying, it's all lifestyle-based and decisions that we take personally to better ourselves. So as long as I can entertain them and teach them and guide them, everything else is through them, everything. We only heal from the inside out. And that's, and that's the only way we'll heal. I mean, a lot of people try to try to cover that up with certain pills and other things, but if we want to heal, it has to happen inside of us. And and that's the only way there's no other way that we're going to heal. Yeah. The, The majority of people think, Oh, a symptom goes away. Oh, I'm better. I'm better. And what you're doing is you're, like I said earlier, you're, you're, uh, you're blocking the natural pathways for healing. Yeah. Know? Unfortunately, that's the truth. Unfortunately, people think that they're healthy with, when they're asymptomatic and that's so far from the truth, you know? So. Hmm. Before we wrap this one up, um, have you guys heard of what's going on in the news with Elton John at the moment, speaking of vegetables? So no. No. he's in, he's, he's in the news cycle. Um, he's just talking about how much he hates lettuce. 
He's like, I hate lettuce. He's on all these TV shows. I don't like, he's like, I hate lettuce. I can't stand lettuce. I fucking hate lettuce. And everyone's like, what the hell is going on with this? Anyway, it turns out he's more of a rocket man. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but isn't rocket considered a lettuce? <laughs> dude, a rocket it, man, Elton John. I know, I get it, but, but I, okay, anyways. <laughs> Don't people call Rocket like arugula? Isn't arugula called Rocket? It's the whole joke, bro. I know, dude. That's what I'm saying. It's... Anyways. Okay, forget it. I get, your, I get what you're saying. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's a funny, funny one. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. If you're going to um, <clears throat> delete this podcast, feel free. No, you're canceled, bro. You're canceled. Um, what do you want to leave our audience with, man? Drive them home. Yeah, I just want to leave you with nature is the way to become healthy. I mean, look to nature. It's the best example we have. And what I wrote in the in my book, there's 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 really eight things that I've learned that nature's helped me improve in who I am. And so first of all, it's it's helped to make nutrition simple. And we were talking before how nutrition has become so difficult but it makes nutrition so simple. I mean, I mean, nature heals me just by being with her. I mean, some of the, some of the, some of the things that people go and visit travel thousands of miles to do is just to see nature. I mean, just being with her heals us. And I've been able to experience that personally. It, it decreases all forms of stress. Uh, one of the stresses being that, Hey, I have food at home. If I lose my job, another way it decreases stress is just by being there. It'll decrease our stress. We've seen so many ways that it decreases stress and we're definitely living in a world full of stress. And we know that the stress response is one of the main reasons why the majority of, this, of the world is sick. So if we can decrease the overall amount of stress we're experiencing, we will be better. And nature allows us to do that. It, it builds communities. I mean, it, I, I, in the last house I was living, I had a, I had my garden in the front yard because I had no backyard. It was all cement. And it wasn't even my front yard. It was between the walkway and the street. And I was out there and I was always gardening and people would always come by and ask me, it's like, what are you doing? And it sparked up great conversations where I got to know all my neighbors really well. And some of them actually started growing gardens themselves. One started growing a garden to help his wife because she was sick and she couldn't do it. And it helped her to get outside. So it helped me build this beautiful community in the, in the in the last area that i lived um it builds our immune system we didn't get into it but playing in the dirt is probably one of the best ways to build our immune systems and i uh, the strength i have internally immunologically is has a lot to do with how i played as a kid i was always out in the dirt and i'm one of those people that just doesn't get sick i'm one of those people that i i'm i very rarely feel a physical symptom and it's a lot has to do with how i was raised how i was raised outside playing in the dirt one of the most important things and i shared the story is it brings us to the present moment um, and it brings us into the present moment and allows us to be grateful it allows us to be grateful for so many things the seed that we're able to plant the dirt that we're that's available the rain that falls and we can actually we can actually use our senses and experience those things so that even helps us even more be in the present and then we talked a little bit of how being touching the, the earth it, it grounds us 
It grounds us in so many ways. So these are these are things, and you'll you'll find them in the book because I use personal experiences. That these are eight ways that that nature, that my garden, my little edge of nature, has helped me uh, progress and be better. And if it's helped me, I know it can help so many other people. And that's why I love talking about it because mm-hmm. I'm the first example. It helped me become a lot better. And if it helped me, I know it can help so many other people. So get out into nature, uh, go outside, take your shoes and socks off and just plant your feet in the dirt for 30 minutes and experience what it feels like to be human. Mm-hmm. And don't look back, just keep on going forward. Ben, beautiful. that was said, beautiful. Yeah. Um, real quick. Let our audience know, you know, where they can find you, support you, et cetera, website, let them know about your books so they can download them. Cause I, I, I just want to say to everyone listening, you know, started reading his book, playing in the dirt. And it's uh, it's just a really great book. It actually brought tears to my eyes at a couple points, you know, cause it just uh, made me really excited about even the venture that my wife and I are about to embark on, which is like creating more of a food forest and growing vegetables. So uh, I may be hitting you up for a, for a couple little tidbits of advice. Nice, whenever. And then the re- some of the coolest comments I got about playing in the dirt that book is it it was they said it felt like I was talking to a friend. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's what I wanted. I want you to feel like I'm just next door. I'm there. I'm I've been through it and I'll and I, I just want to be that friend of yours. But the best way to get hold of me is on Instagram. Uh, my I'm at I'm at Ben Page DC. And then if you want to get hold of me, email benpagedc at gmail.com. Those are the two most simple ways. My website is where I sell my book or on Amazon. So I got a little ebook too on my website called Mental Wellbeing Made Simple. There I talk about ways to help us emotionally also so those are my websites pastosverdesfarm.com it's a little tougher my when i when i raised chickens we had a farm i mean that was and that was the name of our farm is pastos verdes so i i kept that i'll have to change that so but the easiest way to get hold of me is ben page dc and that's on instagram so if you want to get hold of me i check instagram pretty much every day so that's the best way yeah, man, we'll put all those links um, in the brief here so everyone can access all that pretty easily and see that. Ben, thank you joining us for joining us for such a really um, beautiful conversation, man. We really appreciate it and it's a, we're grateful to be connected, most definitely. Oh, yeah, I had a great time, like always. I love chatting about this stuff. Thanks for having me on. Guys, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Take care. Smoking mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean.